Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. The return of MASH Matters to the delight of dozens. Hello, I'm Ryan Patrick. And I'm Jeff Maxwell. We are back for uh, another round. And this is a subject we've kind of been teasing for the last couple of episodes, really. Uh, Early on in our run, I I picked a favorite episode from season one. And I said, you know, I'll pick another episode from uh, season two uh, in a couple of episodes. And that was like nine episodes ago. So uh, (laughs) we are going to talk about season two of MASH uh, in this episode. And it has a particular special meaning to my partner, Jeff Maxwell, because season two is when a certain private made his first appearance on MASH. Yes, it was. It was, uh, it was, very, uh, it was a formidable experience in my life. It was um, a lot of fun because when I showed up at MASH, I didn't really know any of the actors. I wasn't familiar with Alan Alda. I really didn't care. <laughs> and so... I wasn't terribly intimidated by it all. I was, it was fun. I was a little intimidated by the being on a television set, but not necessarily the, the individual actors. I am now. Everybody intimidates me now, but back then I didn't care. And um, what was really exciting to me was when the director showed up and in walks Jackie Cooper. Ooh. Now, several of you listeners may not know who the heck Jackie Cooper is. If you don't, please Google him. Mm-hmm. He's a, he was a terrific actor and, as a boy, and he turned into a wonderful actor as, a, as an adult and a director. Very talented guy, but he was the director. So he walked in the door, and I was very excited and suddenly intimidated. I think most people probably know him best. Uh, he played Perry White, who was the editor of the Daily Planet in the Christopher Reeves Superman movie movies. I think a lot of people know him from that. Yes. But as an actor, he just has a huge list of credits, but he also did a lot of directing for TV. And in season two, especially, he directed, I think, 13 episodes total of MASH and 10 of those episodes he directed in season two including several of the episodes that you were in. I think actually even the first episode that you speak in as Igor, he directed. He was my my virgin speaking director. Um, <laughs> he was the first guy that said, yeah, I think I said, you son of a gun, you. Hi, Radar. You son of a gun, you. I had a great moment where I said that to Radar because it was assumed that Radar had had a child in that particular episode. But I was terrified. Because not because I was saying something, I was used to saying things, but I was terrified because this was Jackie Cooper. And we we went through a rehearsal once and I thought he was going to come over and say something to me. And I, you know, like, why don't you try it again? Like, let's say you're a, you know, you're a Latvian fisherman. Try it like that. But he didn't do that. I just, <laughs> in fact, he ignored me completely, which was kind of, <laughs> I guess that was better because if he'd actually come over and talked to me, I'd probably passed out. But anyway, yeah, Jackie Cooper was a director. He was a terrific guy. Here's the secret about Jackie Cooper. He rules that roost. So he was a very aggressive guy. He was a very fast director. He wanted things to move like a bullet. And we can talk about this later on some in another episode. But I believe down the road, some of the other more formidable actors in the cast didn't like it. Hmm. And uh, he, I don't. I don't know whether he came back for season three. <laughs> I don't think he did. I think I the, think the final episode no. was in season yeah. two. So yeah, yeah, he was just in the in the early days of MASH and, and didn't return. And I had also heard uh, from other sources that 
that he and Alan Alda kind of kind of butted heads at times with different ideas of how certain scenes should go. I think so. And and I do think that there was a lot of uh, pressure to keep everything moving. He was a very aggressive guy and, you know, very effective. I mean, he directed some great episodes and they're terrific. And he certainly made me look really good in that episode. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, Alan and they just kind of, yeah, I think they clashed. I think the rhythms were a little bit off. And I think that happened as Alan grew into the role and became more aware of what he wanted to do mm -hmm. and how he wanted to do it. And I think finally when he really realized that, that's when he went, yeah, I don't think I like this anymore. Well, I think it's just a shame that Jackie didn't let you do your Latvian fisherman because I have not heard a Latvian fisherman done any better by anyone else. I, I've, I practice every day hoping someday I get to do that. But no, that probably won't happen. Oh, <laughs> well, just looking at this list, I, I said I was going to pick a favorite episode from this list. And my goodness, picking a favorite from this list was pretty darn hard. Let me just run through the list quickly of the episodes from season two, and then we'll just kind of go back and talk about uh, a few of these. And we also put this out on social media asking listeners to give their feedback of what their favorite season two episodes were. And we're going to run through some of those responses as well. But here's the list. It starts with Divided We Stand, then Five O'Clock Charlie, Radar's Report, For the Good of the Outfit, Dr. Pierce and Mr. Hyde, Kim, LIP, The Trial of Henry Blake, Dear Dad 3, The Sniper, Carry On Hawkeye, The Incubator, Deal Me Out, Hot Lips and Empty Arms, Officers Only, Henry in Love, For Want of a Boot, Operation Noselift, The Chosen People, As You Were, Crisis, George, Mail Call, and A Smattering of Intelligence. Whew. Wow. How many is that? Is that 22, one, nine, 100? How many is that? Uh, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, after we determine how many that is. Carry the one. Uh, 24 <laughs> episodes. 24. <laughs> yeah, 24. 24. Yeah. So That's I mean to pick to pick one out of those 24. Very difficult. Very difficult. It's very difficult. Now, I have a question before we just kind of run through uh, some of these episodes and get to some of the listener comments. Are there any of these episodes just by title alone that that jump out to you? <laughs> I'll be very very honest. No. Okay. The reason is that, and this goes back to kind of the thing, being a fan and being there as a job, mm -hmm. I didn't see, I wasn't involved in the totality of watching the episodes, so I didn't get that whole emotional connection to each episode. Mm -hmm. I was there and I got emotional connections to moments on the set that I remember vividly and the people that I remember vividly. But in terms of the show itself, uh, probably not. I, I can say, and I can make the, the comment that I love the chosen people uh, as my favorite show because that was when I said, "You son of a gun, you," and that was a <laughs> you know a wonderful moment. Yeah. But again, that was a moment that I will never forget. Sure. And loved and loved to this moment. But I don't have one of those. Gosh, this is the episode that I love. I, I wish I did. In listening to you. Brian Patrick, mm -hmm. discuss your favorite episodes and in seeing some of the great comments from the readers, uh, I mean, <laughs> our listeners and reading those comments, 
I I have become more emotional about it than I was back then. Hmm. It kind of took me back, and I can now see each episode as more of an episode rather than oh, this is you know I had to be there from you know nine to eleven, and then I could go home, and that was when I ran out and had fun. So. I've, I've become more emotional about all this <laughs> since we've started this, <laughs> and it's and I love it. I appreciate it. I, I really um I'm I'm becoming one of you. <laughs> I'm going over to the other side. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we run through and read some of the listener feedback? I put this out on on Facebook. And by the way, if you have not yet, please follow Mash Matters Podcast on Facebook and Twitter because occasionally we do put questions like this out, and uh, we had a lot of feedback because there are so many great episodes in this season. So why don't we run through some of these and then I will unveil my top three. How about that? I love it. Perfect. I'm going to read one now because it's it's my namesake. So Stacy Maxwell, I have to read Stacy Maxwell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stacy Maxwell says, mail call. That's the one she likes. The scene between Henry and Klinger regarding the letter from Klinger's mother, half the family dying, other half pregnant. Brilliant writing, she says, and brilliant delivery. Well, thank you, Stacy. I thought that was pretty good, too. Oh, you mean... <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I don't think you appeared in that particular episode, so... I didn't. But but no, that is a great episode. Um, Klinger's letter is a, uh, a fan favorite. Here's an oldie, but a goodie. Half of the family dying, other half pregnant. <laughs> Klinger, aren't you ashamed of yourself? Yes, sir. I don't deserve to be in the army. And then we also have uh, in that episode, it's also known for uh, Pioneer Aviation, which is a fake company that Hawkeye creates to try to get Frank to buy fake stock for. And it also features a reference to Hawkeye's mysterious sister. You know, uh, for most of the series, it was well known that Hawkeye was an only child. But every now and then there was this reference to a sister in the early days. And uh, even, I think, a reference to his mother being alive in, in the early season. So it's, it's those little quirks with continuity that stand out. And mail call is when uh, we hear about Hawkeye's sister. So thank you, Stacy. Yeah, thank you for thanks, that comment. And, and, I, and I agree with you, Stacey. That is a funny, 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 funny scene. I Every time I see it, I laugh. It's, and and McLean Steve. Stevenson and Jamie did it so well. Oh, yeah. Really funny. Steve Bennett, he says The Chosen People, which is uh, the episode where you had your first line. Steve, you're a genius. <laughs> he says it's because it addresses the most unrecognized crimes of war. The innocent and hardworking family displaced from its farm. Families destroyed by bombings with nowhere to go. A baby born of a Korean mother and GI father who is nowhere to be found. A mother is ostracized by her family and alone in the world. This turned into a comedic episode that is funny and sad at the same time. And I, I agree with that. I think that season two is when you start seeing more of the mix of comedy and drama. And my goodness, Larry Gelbart and the writing staff of MASH, they were they were maestros at being able to take crazy, serious subjects like that and find the humor in those kind of situations. And The Chosen People is a perfect example of that. When you said the name Larry Gelbart, I actually stood at, at, at attention. Uh, <laughs> he deserves it. Larry Gelbart, yes. he was a true, true, true genius and a truly nice human being. And that usually always doesn't necessarily go together. Uh, he, he was a wonderful person. And I, uh, I was very sad when he passed away, as everybody was, certainly. But boy, was he a genius. 
boy, can I tell the story about the facing the wall or did I? Maybe I did already. I don't recall that story. No. When they were having an issue with, a, you know, a scene might not be working or somebody had an issue, they would call Larry. Larry would ride his bicycle down from the writer's building, come into the set, and he would say, okay, run the scene. And he'd turn his back and he would have somebody standing there with a notepad and he'd turn his back and look at the wall. They'd run the scene. He would turn around and he'd say, you say this, you say this, you say this, you say that. And he'd go out and get back on his bicycle and go away. And it was perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm telling you, I saw it numbers of times and it was just, it always floored me. I was just stunned by his brilliance. Wow. True, true, true brilliance. Yes, absolutely. Um, Randall Buey, I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. If I'm not, please don't sue us. He picks uh, Carry On Hawkeye, says it features a lot of Hawkeye, gives one of my favorite scenes between Hawkeye and Hot Lips. I want to see if you've got fever. Believe me, I've got fever to burn. <laughs> I'm worried about you, doctor. You really are, aren't you? You know all those rotten things I've said to you? All those nasty little tricks I played on you? Yes. I'd like to get well and do them all over again. <laughs> Carry On Hawkeye is one of those episodes, it's really the first time we see a little bit of the mutual respect between Margaret and Hawkeye, because those early episodes, it was Frank and, and Hot Lips versus Hawkeye and Trapper. But we start seeing that little bit of respect between Margaret and Hawkeye that then carries on uh, and builds throughout the entire run of the show. So that is a nice episode, Randall. Thank you for that. It's an interesting thing that uh, as the show developed and as the writers developed and the actors developed, everybody kind of developed. Everybody was kind of, you know, feeling their way with their own character you don't always have it down the first couple of years on a television show. And certainly MASH had its own issues with it as a TV show in the first couple of years because it wasn't doing that well. Mm -hmm. So everybody was kind of feeling their way and, you know, is this working? Does not not work? And so the writers were doing that as well. And so was Larry Gelbart. Uh, Larry could do it quicker and frankly better and easier than most everybody else. <laughs> but he was finding his way too. And they were Finding the connections, you know, what what works with these characters and how do these connections work and how do we make them work even better and how do we heighten them and illuminate them and, and make them delicious as they turned out to be. So. so looking at a character like Private Igor, how long did it take you before you felt comfortable in Igor's shoes? Eleven minutes. I, you know, I'm... <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, well, here's the deal. I'll, here's the deal about Private Igor. I was there. And when I began to be uh, engaged with the actors and the quality of the actors that I was standing in front of, because it took me a while to get it. And when I did, that's when the intimidation kind of hit. And I realized, I thought, wow, how did they, how did they do what they're doing? Because I came into a TV world from the nightclub world as a comedian. And now it's different. You three camera shows, a comic can come in and you kind of do through a rehearsal and stuff. This is a little different back then. And I was a different, you know, a little different dynamic. So I had to learn it. I didn't quite get it initially. And then when I realized how good everybody was, I was a little intimidated. So the intimidation that I felt um, gave me the character of Igor. Hmm. So when you see Igor behind the steam table, he was intimidated by doctors. He felt, you know, those were smart people. He wasn't necessarily smart. He wasn't so comfortable in, the, in, you know, his skin. These doctors were intelligent and bright and clever and witty. 
Igor wasn't necessarily that. So he was intimidated by those doctors and it gave me a little bit of a character to stay with being kind of an intimidated guy and, you know, having difficulty doing his job. So that's where it came from. But when it happened, once I got it, it was very comfortable and I could get it very quickly. Uh, and let's be honest, I wasn't struggling with the role of Hawkeye. So I, I, I didn't have all the, the dynamics and the nuances that he did. And you weren't saving lives necessarily. I wasn't fact, saving lives. In fact, the food you were serving yes. was probably taking lives. Yes. Yes. You were doing more harm than good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's see. A couple more here. Uh, yeah. Greg Rostakowski says, can I just say all of them? He says, I love more than one, but for want of a boot because of the crazy links they went to for a pair of boots and how it all unraveled in the end. Uh, Tina Marie Krasner says, deal me out. Wanda Luna says, radar's report. Kurt Lynn says, I just finished watching the season again. A smattering of intelligence has to be my favorite, but five o'clock Charlie is a close second. After reading a book from Dr. Otto Appel, learning that that story was real, thought that was cool. So that that's very interesting. I got one. Catherine Field, I want to do this just so I can see if I can wrap my tongue around this. Catherine Field, thank you, Catherine, for want of a boot. And she says, because it is grounded in a sociological understanding of both bureaucratic institutions and the imbricated reciprocity of social life. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yowie. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Don't know what that means, but wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hagers, uh, he says uh, the episode Kim, he says Wayne Rogers was underutilized all three years he was on, and apparently it's why he left. In this episode, he was great. Kim is, is one of those rare trapper-focused episodes. And I have a question for you, and because I think somebody asked this on Facebook or or an email or somewhere along the way, and I I, I, for, I couldn't go back and I couldn't find it, but I swear somebody asked about this. But the episode Kim, Private Igor, appears earlier in the episode as a cook, and then in a later scene, he's in post-op with a head wound. <laughs> Do you remember that? Really? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I guess somebody took after me, you know, the bad food. They whacked me upside the head. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those weird things. Yeah. That, and, you know, and I know this being your first season on the show, you were utilized in a lot of different ways. Yes. You know, you, yes. the, the, the character of Igor didn't really become fully fleshed out until really after season two so you were you were everywhere in season two you were digging latrines you were cooking food <laughs> yes. you were carrying litters um but yeah in this episode you have you're you're in post-op dude you have a head wound so my condolences i hope you're i hope you're better <laughs> I, 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 i'm a slight bit dizzy and i have a slight pain over my left eye but other than that i'm okay gee oh, that's funny i didn't know that that's great that's funny go ahead and read another one okay uh, let's see. Butch Newton, very, very slimmest of all possible margins of victory to the incubator. When Sloan says you can't have one and the other characters they meet on their way up the chain of command. Yeah, the incubator where they go. Oh, yeah. I'm this, sorry. Uh, I read that like an idiot. You can't have one <laughs> and the other. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's the head wound. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the incubator is is an interesting episode somebody else uh picked the incubator who was it here it was uh linda thompson also said the incubator is my favorite episode of any season of mash because it has the best opening scene of any episode trevor 
Sniper? I'm not gonna talk unless you stop screaming. I'm sorry. I'll be better after I shave my tongue. Does your head hurt? From the ankles up. Everything above that, I leave to science. Uh, I think one of us should try breathing on the mirror. Okay. But do it quietly. But yeah, this season, man, I mean, you look at the diversity. There's an episode like George. Laura Latham says George is her favorite episode. And she says the reason that it's her favorite episode is because the writers and producers really took on some tough issues that weren't talked about in 1973. George is an episode that actually tackles homosexuality. And this is 1973 when TV shows wouldn't touch that subject with a, you know, 187 foot pole. Mm -hmm. And for MASH in their second season to be able to tackle that and and do it so well, it was one of the first uh, network shows to do that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, those are smart folks that were dealing with great subjects and they were able to do it. And and again, I, I it, it goes back to the genius of Larry Galbart, who was able to blend all of that and get it past any censors or get it into the general public's head that these issues can be talked about in the way that they did. I, you know, he, he was, he was brilliant at doing that. So yeah, good for him. Amy Sweeney says, uh, dear dad three, just because I always enjoyed Hawkeye's letters home and five o'clock Charlie, five o'clock Charlie pops up several times. Sailor man on YouTube says five o'clock Charlie. Jack layer says five o'clock Charlie. Now five o'clock Charlie in at least the broadcast order appears to be the first episode that you appeared on. Do you know, is that the first episode that you filmed? Uh, I'm sorry. I have a, a, a very poor recollection of, of your first name. Is is there any way you can give me a hint? Brian, is it? <laughs> sure. I go by lots of names. Okay. I've been called lots of things in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I'll stop being an idiot. I, I, don't, I don't have a very good memory of exactly what episode I first appeared and I don't I wish I well and I don't fault you for that because if 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 listeners want to go back and listen to I believe it was episode one of the podcast mm -hmm. you detailed uh your first day on the set and how well miserable you were yeah I was. <laughs> the first day so I don't fault you for not remembering exactly which episode it was because you you really didn't enjoy your first day on the I, set. I did not and, and actually being the first step being there that first day I may not have been recognized for being in that episode mm -hmm. so uh the credits may have you know escaped me on that particular episode I don't know I don't remember exactly what the episode was and I don't remember what happened I don't remember the plot or anything about it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. All I remember is I'm cold and unhappy and miserable and wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, five o'clock, Charlie. It's an episode that pops up many, many times in these comments. And we appreciate everybody who gave us comments and feedback here. I'm sorry we're not reading all of them. Just a few more here uh, from Twitter. Dustin Hoy says a smattering of intelligence. DM Garcia six says, uh, geez, where do I start? Definitely between deal me out and hot lips and empty arms hot lips and empty arms is an interesting thing because 
that was really the first time Margaret gets to shine. That was, you know, there have been a lot of great Margaret episodes since then, but that was the first Margaret focused episode where she really gets to shine and, and, and show some conflicting emotions. And plus, I think it's one of the first few times we get to see drunk Margaret and drunk <laughs> Margaret is one of my favorite things yeah, to listen to. Right. Uh, she, she's great. Jay Trotter says, for want of a boot, Matt Thomas, uh, he says, if it's comedy, the trial of Henry Blake, if it's drama, George. So now I will say the trial of Henry Blake, and I'm going to I'm going to get to that here in a moment. But there is a scene with you and Frank in that episode. And I, 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 I will go on record saying that you and Frank working together is probably my favorite combination. I agree. <laughs> you, your reactions to some of the things that Frank says to you are absolutely <laughs> priceless um but this is the episode where he has you painting the rocks white then turn them over at night (laughs) nice keep it nice even spread there soldier i don't want to see any brush strokes it's against air raid regulations if they're white they they can be seen by enemy planes um just paint the top half and uh turn them over every night That's just one of those great classic Igor and Frank scenes. It was. It was. It makes me smile. I I believe that was written by McLean Stevenson. Really? It was. I, I'm not sure whether he got the end credit, but I think it was either his story or he, you know, he wrote <laughs> a lot of it. Because I have a big poster in my house with the thing I dearly love and cherish. It was a first poster that was made about Mash, and it, it's a re- very cute thing done by a great artist who did a lot of great caricatures of everybody. And I had everybody sign it and McLean signed it. And he said, then turn him over at night because (laughs) everybody laughed when we did that scene. And so it was a memorable moment and McLean knew it. And I think he wrote that line anyway for his own script. And so it was a neat thing. Thank you for saying that. That's uh, that that warms me up, too. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Absolutely. Just a couple of other notes here from the season two episodes before I, I get into my, my top three. There's Operation Noselift, and that is an episode where uh, a soldier has a nose lift done. They bring in a Hawkeye brings in a friend of his to who is a plastic surgeon to do a nose lift on this soldier. Well, the soldier is played by Todd Sussman, and Todd is one of the uh, two or three voices that you hear as the PA announcer throughout the year. So in case you uh, didn't know that one of the voices that you have grown accustomed to hearing so for so many years was the patient with the huge nose and and in real life he didn't have that big of a nose it was a it was a prosthetic nose that they put on <laughs> and let me just say that 1973 prosthetics are not as good as they are now <laughs> no they were <laughs> absolutely i thought it looked kind of ridiculous <laughs> it really it really did it's it's kind of it is kind of ridiculous todd sussman by the way is a really nice guy he's a good actor and he and I ended up doing a lot of, uh, we'd go to commercial calls and he and I were always in the same commercial call. So uh, like eight guys show up to do the commercial or to, you know, audition for the commercial. He and I were always in the room. He's a terrific guy. He got a lot more of them than I did though. Kind of <laughs> so he's not really that nice of a guy then. He's not that nice. No, no. thank you. In retrospect. No, he, yeah. we really don't like him. And uh, he, that was his nose actually. So, oh. just so you know. <laughs> Well, my apologies. Two more things. Uh, With the exception of the debut of Igor, we also saw the debut of two more beloved characters on MASH. 
One would be Sidney Freeman, mm-hmm. played by the wonderful Alan Arbus. The first time we see him is in Radar's report. And for some reason, in the first episode, he's called Milton. Request by Colonel Blake for Section 8 evaluation of Corporal Max Klinger has been approved. Major Milton Friedman, divisional medical staff psychiatrist, arrives tomorrow. And then in later episodes, they change it to Sydney. The, of course, he was Sydney for the, the duration of the show and played a huge role in the uh, final episode. But Alan Arbus, man, I, I just mm. he brought such a grounded sense of humanity to that mm-hmm. role. And I love watching him portray Sidney Freeman. Yeah, he was terrific. He had, you know, the his general, uh, when you spoke to him, he felt like a psychiatrist. <laughs> he really huh. did. You just kind of wanted to sit down and go, you know, my mother wasn't nice to me. And I just want to <laughs> Because he, he, just, he just had, he exuded that warmth and you just wanted to talk to him. Wow. Wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. The other character that pops up in season two is Colonel Flagg, played by, uh, oh. <laughs> yes, played oh. by Edward Winter. Now, it's interesting because he actually shows up in the episode Deal Me Out. And in that episode, he's not known as Colonel Flagg. He's Captain Holleran. CID. And then later in the same season, he comes back at the end of the season for a smattering of intelligence. And in that, that's his first official appearance as Colonel Flagg. But oh my gosh, what a character. And he was only in really a handful of episodes, but he seems like he was in so many more because he is such a dominant force when he makes an appearance on the show. Oh, what, what a character, oh. man. What laughs? How funny. I remember watching him run his head into a filing cabinet about three times. Yes. I, it was very difficult to, to fall on the floor laughing. He was he was so good as that character. And it was all him. He just created the whole thing. And wow, what a genius moment for an actor to do. It was an incredibly good character. Yes. Boy, was he good. Mm. He was. Mm. He was. And the only other thing I want to mention from season two is in the episode, The Sniper, and this is, I think, a big deal for 1973 primetime broadcast television. We saw Radar's butt <laughs> in the episode The Sniper. It's it's only a flash. It's only a, a glimpse. But yeah, as, uh, as Radar is running through the compound from the shower, uh, he runs back into the shower. And at the last second... <laughs> The towel is rigged to fall, and we see Radar's teddy bear in all its glory right there. Yeah. It, uh, and, and nowadays, you see, I mean, you can turn on a, you know, an insurance uh, commercial and you see a butt anymore. Yeah. But in 1973, you know, that was that was kind that of was a, a big that deal, was kind yeah. of a big deal. So yeah. those are just some thoughts from season two. Now, would you like to know my top three? I am. I am. I am with bated breath. I, I want to know your top three. I am very excited <laughs> because you you have such a great understanding of the show and i love listening to you and how you describe the show and how you feel about it and what you so yes please all right without any further ado ryan patrick's top three season two yeah i changed my mind i'm not gonna do this okay well we'll be right back (laughs) okay all right so um this was tough this really was tough because there are certain episodes in this season that really mean a lot to me and When I pick my favorite 
I'm not picking it because of its relevance to the entire series or its social ramifications or anything like that. I'm simply picking the episodes that I enjoy watching over and over and over and over again. And there were three that jump out from this season. At my number three spot is For Want of a Boot. And that's the episode where Hawkeye has to jump through so many hoops and so many characters in order to get a new boot. Yeah, I happen to know he's not going to Tokyo. But if we got him a three-day pass, then Hotlips won't report Henry. On the other hand, if we get radar a date with a hairdryer... That episode, we saw the debut of Johnny Hamer as Zelmo Zale, an appearance by Michael Lerner as Captain Futterman, the dentist. But it's just a fun episode. It's one of those episodes that when it comes on, if it's on TV, if it shows up, I watch it. I just enjoy watching it so much. It's similar to the Long John flap from season one, where you have to go through all these different characters and different scenarios. It's just a fun, fun episode. And Igor does make an appearance in that episode. So that's my number three. Number two is The Trial of Henry Blake. And we talked about it earlier. That's the episode where you're, you're painting the rocks white. Mm-hmm. It's so well written. The editing is perfect the way that these stories are told and it builds uh to a great climax where hawkeye threatens to uh send a nasty letter to frank's wife (laughs) about his relationship with hot lips dear mrs burns since you're so proud of your husband as an officer it is sad to report that he is frequently out of uniform and maybe you should know with who with whom I will tell you, though, The Trial of Henry Blake probably would have been my number one pick. However, there is one particular scene in that episode that drives me crazy. I'm probably going to make some people mad when I say this. Uh Uh-oh. Because there are a lot of people that like this scene, but it is probably my least favorite scene of the entire series. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. So, Klinger builds somehow... A hang glider. Uh Uh-huh. And he tries to escape from camp on a hang glider, and he's wearing uh, fuzzy pink slippers. So the big joke is... Did you see that? What? A big red bird with fuzzy pink feet. Hey, Hawk, did you see that? What did you see? A big red bird with fuzzy pink feet. See? Where were we? I do not like that scene. Ryan, you know, let's make everybody mad. I don't like that scene either. Thank you. I hated it. Okay. It was, if there's anything dumb about MASH, which there isn't, but if there was, that was it. Well, okay. That, That makes me feel a little bit better because seriously, I get on a lot of these MASH Facebook groups and there are so many people who just love that scene. Love it. Yeah, they love it. Love it. And they just think it's the best, funniest, wildest thing. And I just, it drives me up the wall when I see that scene. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I could not pick that episode as my favorite episode from season two because of that scene. So Mm -hmm. thank you. I'm I'm glad that you and I could bond over that moment. Would you like to go square dancing later? Because I'm (laughs) available. I just hope that we are able to uh, embolden others to come forward with their thoughts uh, against that scene. Come over to our side. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's at number two. And then my favorite episode of season two, here it is. (laughs) Okay. It's the episode 
Crisis. Ah. Now, Crisis is, for those of you who may not know it by the, the title, supply lines are cut. They don't have food. They don't have fuel. And so they have to conserve heat. They have to conserve electricity. So everybody starts bunking together and they start burning everything that's going to be burned. I mean, everything. <laughs> if it can be burned, except for the toilet paper, they use that first and then they burn it. That is the episode Crisis. And what I love about it, this is one of the first times, I think, in, in the run of the series where you see the entire cast come together, or 90% of the cast coming together in one place and having wonderful interaction together. So because of all the conserving of electricity and heat, you know, you've got Trapper, Hawkeye, Father Mulcahy, Klinger, Henry, and Radar, and Frank all bunking together in the swamp. Man, it's so much fun. The Just the dialogue, of course, again, Larry Gelbart, yeah. the genius of Larry Gelbart. And actually, I was reading in uh, the excellent book, TV's MASH, the ultimate guidebook, that Larry Gelbart, he was influenced by the Marx Brothers, A Night at the Opera's stateroom scene. It's a tiny little room and all of the people keep coming in mm -hmm. until they eventually pour out the door. That's the inspiration for the scenes where the cots are basically on top of one another. And then there's the last scene of the episode, too where everything has been burned, including everything in Henry's office. No, it's uh, it's just my office. Uh, it's my office? Uh, yeah. Well, you see, uh, during the recent crisis, people had this aversion to freezing, <laughs> so they just burned anything that didn't move or salute. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to you from deep inside a real big empty. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going on record. My favorite episode of season two is Crisis. Crisis. All right. Let the haters start emailing me yeah, now. That's yeah. fine. We probably lost most of them when I bashed Klinger yeah, and his, uh, bird. his crazy, yeah. fuzzy pink feet yeah. and all that. But, uh, but that's my pick. So there you go. All right. Well done. Well done. This has been fun. And hey, you were mentioning to me about... Uh, this has nothing to do with MASH, but it has something to do with, with a dear friend of yours. It does. Who has a really cool resource for people who might like classic 1960s rock and roll music. Is that right? That's exactly right. And I'll just kind of explain who he was. It's a friend of mine and his name is Rick Shoemaker. And I've known Rick. I knew Rick all through the MASH days. In fact, Rick and I lived in an apartment complex in Studio City, huh. as a matter of fact, Studio City, California, uh, where many actors went to try and break into show business. And uh, we had a lot of friends and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of weekend parties and barbecued chicken and all kinds of fun stuff. And we became very good friends at that point. And he became a very, very, very significant music executive to the point that he, his last position, I think he was president of Warner Chapel Music Publishing. Wow. And he, he was in the music business for 40 years and is very responsible for creating the careers of a number of uh, bands that you know and individual performers you know. But he and I used to do a radio show here in Los Angeles called Breaking In. And the show is devoted to talking about how to break into show business. And the point of it was not only our experiences, 
but we would bring on guests. We had Alan Alda on one night, and that was a great experience. But we had a number of actors through the years. We did it for about four years in L.A. And we had a number of really terrific people who came and, you know, told folks that are interested in, in knowing how to get into show business their experience. So hearing it from Alan Alda's point of view and a lot of other musicians' point of view was a fascinating experience for me and him. However, he has now created this blog, and it is called, the, the website is called 60smusicsecrets.com. So it's 60smusicsecrets.com. And if anybody has any interest in that, you know, <laughs> environment or music from the 60s, I urge you to go there and review it because you're going to hear a lot of stuff or read a lot of stuff written by Rick. And he has guest bloggers come on. They're very famous folks. So if you have any uh, interest in it, please check it out. I know you're going to really enjoy it. 60smusicsecrets.com. Now, is that the word 60s or is it the number 60? Good question. It is the word 60s. Okay. 60smusicsecrets.com. Music, commentary, and trivia. All right. You really enjoy it. And plus that, uh, he gave me $10,000 to say this. So, you know, I appreciated <laughs> that. Bit. Thank you, Rick. Man. Yeah, well, it's good to have friends like that. Yeah, I well, I haven't cashed the check yet, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we don't. We're never know. Okay. Oh, how about? Oh, there's one last thing. I have to do this before yes. I forget because I might forget if I don't. Uh, dog tags. A fine fan of Mash Matters, Tina Marie Krasner. Yes, Tina Marie. I believe you asked about dog tags, about if I had the dog tags or I wore yeah. The dog she was tags. curious. Yeah. the dog tags that everyone wears. Are the characters' names printed on them? If not, do you recall what they said? And Jeff, do you still have yours? That's what Tina wants to know. Tina, I just found them, and that's why I brought this up, and I'm not letting the show go off today until I say this. You can hear that. You hear this? Those are the dog tags, and I just found them stuck in a drawer. Those are the dog tags that I wore the entire uh, nine years I was with the show. And no, the individual actors or characters' names are not imprinted on the dog tags. I believe they're real dog tags. These look real to me. Mm -hmm. And the name on the dog tag is Joseph Smith. Hmm. And he has type A blood, and Joseph happens to be a Protestant. So <laughs> that's... <laughs> Who was wearing? Who was hanging around my neck for nine years? If Joseph Smith. So Joseph, if you're out there, hey, you know, write in, tell me, because I'd love to give you your dog tags back. Some, gee, I've got them. But that, hey, I tell you what, we'll do is we'll take a picture of those and we'll put them with the show notes, like it, uh, for this episode. So uh, you can go to mashmatterspodcast.com, click on episodes, and then click on this episode's show notes, and uh, you will see a picture of. Igor's dog tags on there. We'll also put a link to Rick's <laughs> website. And we always put various MASH related links on there as well. You know, things related to the episode that we're talking about or random MASH stuff. So uh, I encourage you to check that out uh, at mashmatterspodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all everywhere. We're everywhere, man. We're everywhere. Everywhere. We're all over the place. And, you know, I just have to say one last thing. Uh, I really appreciate all of the comments that, that we read. Uh, and I really, really love hearing everybody's response to MASH and all of the uh, the history that you have with the show. It really takes me back. And I don't mean to sound like a jerk and say, oh, I don't care about the show. 
Well, it was a job, but I really cared about all of the people. And I'm now caring about it from a different perspective. And all of you who listen to this and all of you who write into us uh, are really giving me a wonderful view of the show that I never really had. So thank you. And I thank you, Ryan, for doing that same thing, because without that, you know, it was a whole different perspective. So I, I'm enjoying the heck out of this. And please, everybody, don't stop because I love this. Well, I think we should probably end on that love note right there. So, uh, hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, with a new episode, hopefully, maybe even a special guest coming up here in the next episode or two. So uh, just a little tease there. Uh, some some more familiar faces and familiar voices might be coming your way soon. So oh, and by the way, the next episode, we're going to be doing this nude. Uh, so that's going to be interesting, too. Wait, we are? Well, I, I got the memo, didn't you? I, it says right here, we're going to be nude. It's times like these that I'm so happy that this is an audio podcast. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thanks. We're going to go cream some weenies. So uh, until okay. then, thank you for listening. Okay.